The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Well, good morning. Because Jesus has welcomed each and every one of us, I say to you this morning, welcome to this place in the name of Jesus. Tonight at Oklahoma Christian University, there is an area-wide worship of Churches of Christ all over the Oklahoma City area. It's called One Voice, Glorifying God Together in Jesus Christ. It begins at 6 o'clock. It's from 6 to 6.30. There's going to be a praise team and just worship for about 30, 40 minutes. Uh, and it's mostly made up of the Springs members. It's the McKenzie's. It's Brett Vanderzee. And then a good friend of mine, Stephen Maxwell, who is a worship minister from Atlanta. He and his wife will be leading uh, leading all those in this area-wide worship in a, in a time of singing and praise. Then there'll be more singing and praise, and there's going to be several different speakers. They're each going to give about five to eight-minute TED Talks. And so I don't know what your small group is doing tonight. What my small group is doing tonight, we're going to go worship together with God's people, not the only God's people, but some of God's people, from all over the Oklahoma City area, and I want to invite you guys to join us, particularly the worship. It's at Oklahoma Christian University in Hardeman Auditorium, the main auditorium. So I hope to see you tonight. We are in the Gospel of Luke, and our sermon series is the Spirit-Powered Gospel. And today our text is in Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 36 up to 50, the word of the Lord. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. She, she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited, saw, invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50 denarii. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, said Jesus. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You do not give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time she has entered, she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. 
The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray. God, for your word, as always, we give you thanks. And as always, our request today is for ears to hear, ears to hear your word and hearts to follow and lives and bodies that obey. And God, I ask for the gift of preaching. We pray all this in the name of your word to us, Jesus Christ, amen. There is such thing as table manners. Everybody knows what they are. The first one is get your elbows off the table, right? Don't put your elbows on the table, which I'm not really sure why that's a rude thing, but it is. And maybe somebody can explain it afterwards. That's an invitation for everyone to come explain why I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but that's pretty normal. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep inviting the invitation. So. The other one is, and I get this one, don't chew with your mouth open. I thought you were going to say tobacco. Yeah, that one, that one too. <laughs> Well, you could, uh, you could probably do that at the table, but you can't chew with your mouth open, right? Both are probably pretty disgusting. Another one is, and this one probably is not as true as it used to be, but you better finish everything that's on your plate, right? Every culture has table manners. And in Uganda, I learned a different set of table manners. Because in Uganda, you eat with your hands. They have one of the main meals that's called posho. It's corn. It's maize corn. It's white. But it's kind of like this cornbread. But it's, I actually really like it. It's not going to sound very good. But it's like, it's, like, um, it's like grits with the consistency of Play-Doh. So you can grab it with your hand and you can mush it up. And usually dip it in a sauce or dip it in beans. And oh, it's really good and filling. But one of the... One of the things that you know is that usually the posho comes in a big plate and then you have your bowl of beans or chicken or soup or something there and everybody reaches in and grabs the posho off the big plate and you eat with your hands. But you don't eat with your hands, plural. You eat with one hand. You eat with your right hand. And that is because the right hand is for eating, the left hand is for something else that comes at the end of the digestive process. Yes, when you live in the village and you don't have toilet paper. I know. It's either a scratchy leaf or it's your left hand. And so there's good reason why you don't eat with your left hand. So, a good friend of mine came to visit. Her name was Cindy Wilson. And we took Cindy Wilson to the village of Chani. And we were all sitting in this room. Usually we get outside, but it was raining that day, and we were all sitting around the table, and it came time to eat. And it was a small little table, probably about half the size of this communion table. And they put a big plate of posho in the middle, and they served us all beans. And we're all sitting around this table, 
with Cindy and her daughter, myself, and all of these other Ugandans, mostly men. And I didn't know this about Cindy, so I didn't give her a fair chance to warn her, but Cindy was left-handed. So when it came time for everybody to reach in to grab the posho, Cindy reaches in with her left hand, and there is this audible gasp in the room. <gasps> and to Cindy's credit, she stops before she touches the posho and looks around like this, and they all look at her and then switches hands. <laughs> the table is one of the most common elements in the Gospel of Luke. It progresses the narrative along and it, it provides the setting for major teaching moments in the Gospel. A lot of Jesus' ministry in Luke happens at tables. At least eight occasions, Jesus can be seen sitting down to eat with others and there's two additional there's two additional stories where there's meals involved, like the feeding of the 5,000. There's no table, but there's a meal. And it's at the table, more than any place in Luke, that we learn what life is like in the kingdom of God. Jesus' table manners are kingdom manners. What Jesus does at the table is a paradigm for what life looks like when God reigns in the world. So we should pay attention when Jesus is sitting at tables in the Gospel of Luke. Because Jesus' table manners are kingdom manners. And what Jesus is, does at the table, that's what the kingdom of God looks like in the world. So let's see what happens at the table. There are three characters in this story. There's Simon, there's the woman, and there's Jesus. There's others involved, but those are the three main characters. And Simon, Simon's a Pharisee. He's the host of the table. And there are several different types of Pharisees within the movement that hold different worldviews or different views. So there's not just all Pharisees are equal, but within the movement of the Pharisees, there are several different types with different views. Now, most of the Pharisees that we read about and know about is what we could probably consider hardline right-wingers. I mean, they are pretty conservative about the law. And they're really, really skeptical about Jesus. Simon doesn't seem to be one of these. Simon seems to be open to Jesus. It appears that Simon heard the story that was read earlier about the dead being raised and how people were going around spreading rumors about how he's a prophet. And it appears Simon wants to know about these miracles. He wants to get to know this prophet. It appears that he wants to be in the presence of Jesus and he wants to know Jesus. So he invites him to his house into his table. Then there's the woman. She's unnamed, and so we don't know much about her at all. But we do know one thing. And the one thing we know is the same thing that everybody in this story knows. She is a sinful woman. 
and she must carry around with her at least three things. She must carry around with her an enormous amount of guilt. If she's considered a sinful woman, she must carry around an enormous amount of guilt because she's broken the law. The second thing she carries around is shame. She must carry around an enormous amount of shame. Seneca, who is a Greek-Roman philosopher, who is a contemporary, he died about 65 AD, so he's a contemporary with Jesus, he says this. He says, honor is the good opinion of good people. So if honor is the good opinion of good people, then shame is the bad opinion that the whole community has of you. It's clear from this story, the community has a pretty bad opinion of this woman. At least the community in that room. She must have brought a ton of shame. And then finally, she must have brought into that room a ton of fear. She walks into a room of powerful men who don't like her, who are judging her, and who wish she would go away. And she cries. It has to be because she's afraid. A sinful woman who's carrying guilt, shame, and fear. And then there's Jesus. And it says Jesus was at the house of Simon the Pharisee when the meal was interrupted by this unnamed woman. It says they were reclining at the table. Now, when you think reclining at the table, when we think about reclining at the table, here's what I think about. It's sitting in a chair, maybe with my hands over my head like this, or crossed over, feeling rather full, or enjoying the company. That's what we think of. Or, one evening when my son Noah was about five years old, he brought a whole new meaning to the phrase reclining at the table. This is not the only time my son has fallen asleep at the table like this. But when you hear reclining at the table, don't picture some woman walking in, crawling around underneath the table, washing feet. In the first century, when Jesus reclines at the table, they're going to lounge on their side towards the table, and their feet are going to be pointing away. So they're lounging kind of on their side. So when this unnamed woman comes into the room, she's behind them at their feet. And so the story goes like this. Simon graciously invites Jesus into his world, to his home, with his friends. He wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. He wanted to get to know him. But a woman shows up and breaks up the party. She's a sinful woman. And in Simon's world, this woman does not have good table manners. First of all, she crashes the party uninvited, which for many of us, maybe to our shame, 
Someone that crashes the party uninvited, we'd be like, I didn't invite them. Why are they here? Have you ever felt that? Second, she's not invited because she is not wanted at the party. She's a sinful woman. She's a lawbreaker, at least in their eyes. She is shameful and has no honor. She clearly is inferior to everyone else in the room. And the third reason she doesn't have good table manners, the first, she's not invited. The second, that she's sinful, lawbreaker, shameful, clearly inferior. But the third reason is that Simon is trying to get to know Jesus. And because this sinful woman is washing, anointing, and kissing his feet, this is messing with Simon's picture of who he thinks Jesus is or who he hopes Jesus is. It's clear that when she walks in, this is messing with his idea about who Jesus is supposed to be. It seems the woman has poor table manners. And this is the problem Simon has, that Jesus doesn't even recognize it. For he thinks to himself, if this man were a prophet like they've been talking about, he would know who's touching him. And what kind of woman this is, he would know she's a sinful woman. So Jesus, who actually is a prophet, knows what Simon is thinking and tells him a short parable followed by a question. He says this, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. Please tell me. Because at this point, he's thinking, something's not right here. This is not who I had in mind. Tell me something. Tell me you know this is a sinful woman. Tell me you know. Tell me that you're going to send this woman away. And Jesus says, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back so he forgave both debts. And then he has this question. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven? And Jesus says, you have judged correctly. In this story, when the woman comes into the room, when actually before she ever enters the room, she hears that this guy named Jesus is sitting at Simon's house, and so she busts in on the party. And the only reason she busts in on the party is because this woman has discovered that forgiveness is in Jesus. She doesn't care about Simon's table manner. And that salvation is forgiveness. Jesus says to her later, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. She's discovered forgiveness in Jesus. 
She's discovered salvation in Jesus. And it means this. That all that guilt she was carrying around has been canceled. All that shame that's been weighing her down, like that 40-pound backpack that Jason talked about, all that shame has been removed. And all her fear is alleviated. She has discovered what salvation looks like. It looks like Jesus. And when salvation comes and guilt is canceled and shame is removed and fear is alleviated, there is peace. Have you known that peace? Oh, how I want you to know that peace. Oh, how God wants you to know the peace of your guilt being canceled, your shame being removed, and your fear being alleviated. Then Jesus who is forgiveness. And as she discovers this forgiveness, the sign of her faith in this God who forgives and saves her, the sign and proof of this faith is her love for him. So then Jesus turns to the woman and he looks at Simon, he points at this woman and he says, do you see this woman? Do you see her? I came into your house. You did not give me any water to drink or any water for my feet, sorry. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time she entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume all over my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. In God's world, at God's table, it turns out that the one who has poor table manners is Simon. She walks in and breaks all the rules, all the table manners. And as it turns out in the story, it is Simon who is the one who has poor table manners. Primarily because he's not hospitable to Jesus, and she is. He doesn't offer hospitality, and here's what that looks like. Foot washing to cleanse the guest's feet from a long journey. His feet are dirty. They wear sandals. It's customary to offer a a foot washing before you come in the house because your feet are dirty. Anointing them with oil or perfume to take away the shame of the smell from the hot, dusty day, particularly his feet. 
You walk around outside, outside in the hot sun and dusty, and you see how your sme- s- feet smell at the end of the day. And a kiss, which is a sign of friendship, and it's a sign to suggest there's no fear. There's no reason to be afraid. You're with friends in this house. He doesn't offer a foot washing. He doesn't offer to anoint him. He doesn't offer a kiss of friendship. And this woman does. Simon wants to maintain his world. He wants to maintain a world of order where, where, where guilt and shame and fear That's the world he wants to maintain. Jesus' feet remain guilty of being dirty. And Jesus potentially feels the shame of smelly feet. And with no kiss, there is no sign to alleviate the fear he might have had walking into Simon's house. He offers none of those things. He doesn't offer to relieve his guilt, to relieve the guilt of his dirty feet, the shame that they might smell, or even offer a sign that there's nothing to be afraid of. But the woman does. There's a great tension in this story. You have to feel it. Here's the tension. Simon has an understanding of the world, of righteousness, which causes him to distance himself from the sinful woman. But Jesus understands righteousness and the world to mean moving towards her with forgiveness and the blessing of peace. Do you see how those two worlds are very different. Simon holds a view of righteousness which says I have to get away from this sinful woman. Jesus holds a view of righteousness which moves him closer to her in order to offer blessing and to offer peace. Simon's view of the world Simon's view of the world is that he wants lawbreakers to remain guilty in order to maintain order. Simon's view of the world is that the unworthy must be shamed into order in order to make decency possible. Because without shame, there is no decency in Simon's world. And in Simon's world, the powerless must feel fear in order for Simon to maintain his power. All the major themes that we've talked about in Luke appear in this story. First of all, salvation is central to Luke's gospel, and here's what salvation looks like. Forgiveness that takes away guilt and fear and shame. The guilt is canceled. Shame is removed. Fear is alleviated. And there's also a theme of great reversals. According to Simon's world, Simon was the righteous one, not the woman. He was the one with honor, not the woman. He had the right table manners, not the woman. But according to Jesus, Jesus' table manners, the kingdom table manners, It is the sinful woman who is deemed righteous, has the place of honor, 
and who is the good host that offers a kiss of friendship and peace. And finally, one of the major themes, salvation, the great reversals, and Luke affirms outsiders. Verse 47 says this, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. As her great love has shown, but whoever's been forgiven little loves little. It is the woman, the outsider, who has been forgiven of many sins and loves greatly. She's an outsider that's become an insider. Now I want to say this. For many of you, Jesus has been sitting with you at the table for a long time. Your eyes have been opened to the forgiveness that Jesus offers, and you have joined him at the table in faith. But like Simon, you haven't been paying attention to God's table manners. Like Simon, you haven't noticed the kind of manners at the table in the kingdom of God that are appropriate for the table at the kingdom of God. You haven't paid close attention to God's heart. You haven't seen and experienced the forgiveness he offers. Even though you've seen and experienced the forgiveness he offers, but you've not come to terms with the depth of his love and cannot appreciate God's generous love when it is sitting at a table right in front of you. And because you can't fully love the sinner that you despise, washing Jesus' feet, you can't fully love Jesus, can you? You've been sitting at the table for a long time with Jesus, but haven't noticed the incredible amount of love he has for the woman washing his feet, who is a sinner, the one you despise most. And you can't fully love Jesus because you can't fully love her. The person who has been forgiven much will love much. And they'll even love people whom they used to not be lovable. We've all been uh, the woman. Everyone in this room, I think most everyone, if you don't know, we want you to know the forgiveness that Jesus offers. Jason's right. The guilt, the shame, the fear is more than a 40-pound pack on a marathon. The woman lost that pack. If you haven't lost it, come to the table of Jesus. But for those of us who have experienced the forgiveness and salvation of Jesus, it is now our responsibility, it is now our call as disciples to pay attention to his manners at the table. 
Simon sat at the table with Jesus, but he didn't pay attention to kingdom table manners. And if you can't love the woman, if you can't love the one who you think is the biggest sinner, who you despise the most, you can't love Jesus. You just can't. And so for Luke, true faith is what happens when someone looks at Jesus and discovers God's forgiveness. And the sign and proof of this faith is love. Love of Jesus and love of those whom Jesus loves. This is the world according to Jesus. This is what table manners look like in the kingdom of God. How are your table manners? Let's stand and sing.